0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode, the body language one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I'm Andrew Jacobs. Our last episode was a fascinating conversation about communication, and one key element of that is nonverbal. So, to compliment last time, we've recorded an episode on body language and have two experts to talk the topic through. This time, our guests are Susie Adams and Dr. Blanca Bellack. Susie Adams is a leadership and career coach at Carolyn Associates where she is owner and founder. She began coaching and consulting following a 30-year career with one of the United States' largest energy companies. She also teaches in the Mass Communications Department at Winthrop University. Dr Blanca Bellack supports her clients in integrating mind, emotions and body for authentic leadership and well-being, so that they can navigate complex situations with mastery. She specialises in neurocoaching and coaching methods that go beyond the cognitive realm like last time, this is an amazing episode with so much good stuff. I've listened back three times already. It's not just about body language. There's so much more than that. This is women talking about learning. This is Susie and Blanca talking about body language and more.
1: I'm Susie Adams and I'm so happy to be here talking about learning and talking about nonverbal communications, in particular body language. And Blanca, I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you. Thank you, Susie. I'm delighted to be here too. I'm Blanca
2: Bellac and I work on leadership embodiment and that's something that many people don't even know what it is. And it is a way of being aware and using our body and emotions to lead and to give a full extent to our leadership. And I'm very curious about the talk with you, Susie, today and how the topics that you are working on and those topics that I'm interested in, how they are mixing and uh,
1: what do I can learn from you. Great. Thank you so much. I'm Susie Adams and I do leadership and career coaching, do some communications training and also teach at the university level very much focus on public speaking and presentation skills, so body language is critical to all of the components of, of my work world. I'd love to hear you, Blanca, talk a little bit more about the the work that you're doing because it, it may not be familiar to all listeners. Thank you. So- I was for a long time
2: uh, in international security and international development in a number of technical professions. And eventually I happened to be a director of a training institute. And it was a very interesting time because I realized that even though I have enough clarity in my head about what should be done as a leader, my body wasn't playing along. And I realized that I actually don't have the means to bring my body into a coherent picture, into a coherence with what I would like to say. So I experienced repeatedly that what I was saying did not come across the way how I meant it. I was undermining my message. And around this time, I started working on leadership development uh, courses for women and programs. And of course, you know, as the old adage says, we are teaching or we are doing the things that we need most. And in any case, very soon I discovered that there is so much about the mental and the head-based leadership. And I knew about this already for a long, long time. But there was very little easily available about how to bring our emotions and body back into the picture. And I knew this is very important. I knew that it is very often that we know in our head what we are supposed to say, how we are supposed to say it even, but then we cannot. And why we can't? Because uh, we are not completely aware and aligned with our emotions and body. And that, for me, really opened a quest for... Methods that are specifically focusing on how to work with body and emotions because they were an immense shortcut. Many women and also many men don't really know how to work with their emotions. Uh, They are not aware about them and they don't actually manage them adequately. And it has very much of a negative effect on the way how they are coming across and therefore on their overall leadership. And I can tell you a bit more later about what I discovered.
1: It's so interesting because when I hear you talk, it brings me to what I hear from a lot of people who are sending people for training or coaching. They will say, this person is extraordinarily talented, but they don't show up well. They don't have executive presence and when they say that they don't mean they don't dress appropriately they mean when they come into the room they are not projecting with confidence owning their message they may not even it's how they sit at the table and and it aligns so much with what you were saying and so if I can Uh, continue on on that thought
2: indeed there is a disconnect between the way how they are knowledgeable let's say and how they are communicating how they are sharing the knowledge and my own personal learning journey really was uh, very much focused on very subtle things because I had to learn how to listen and how to read the subtle energies and how to become more aware about uh, how my body is communicating with me, what type of information I'm getting through my body, and also how I can use my body as an instrument of communication. And I would say that it goes beyond the physical body. It's really in my case, and definitely this is also what I am I am trying to communicate and to to offer to other women with who are coming to work with me and uh, into programs that we are organizing. It is also really the ability to consider what kind of energy you are communicating with, the pace of your talk, the pace of your, I will say now, appearance. I know that this is not very often understood like that, but we all have a certain pace. We come across... Some of us is more hasty and some as slow. Can we come across as at the right pace? How are we listening? How are we using our body, our hands, gestures, all that? How are we using eye contact? Can we stand the silence when somebody is talking? Do we have the need to rush into and to interrupt? There are so many things that have to do really with more than just Speech or knowledge, or even the physical appearance.
1: Yes, I love what you said there. There's so much, and what you said, I'd love to to unpack it a little bit more because you are so right. One of the things that that you talked about is the pace of someone's communication, and when I'm working with people, I believe in letting them be who they are, and so just using pace. Some people talk very quickly. Some people talk more slowly. But someone who talks too quickly can come across as nervous, anxious, not very confident. And so what what I generally coach people to do is pause. It's not slow down. But when you, when you rush through your thoughts as if you're running a sprint, we may miss and not catch the brilliance that you're bringing. So get to the end of a thought and don't be afraid of silence. Pause, breathe, watch the room. Pick up on other people's nonverbals and their communications, and and there was a lot of that in in what you were talking about. Do you agree with that approach? Absolutely, and I
2: still probably would say even do slow down, because it's not only about you. Your pace might be perfectly fine for you. You may be really having high energy and a great day, and you may be a fountain of ideas please now take into consideration your audience. How am I? Can I really capture that? Can I really take it in? And very often I'm finding that if I am speaking more slowly, it actually makes it easy for people to relate to what I'm saying because they had time to process. So over the years, I definitely also moved from space where many things were about me, 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 to having the capacity to keep more awareness about myself and at the same time to be much more aware than in the past about the others and about the room and this these are some of the tools that I known as three levels or four levels of or uh, kinds of listening but there is also there is also really the ability to give space to the others, and also to enable them, to allow them to interact with you and to come in. I It's
1: not all about me. Right. Yes. Yes. And when we talk about nonverbal communications, it really is what you as a communicator are sharing nonverbally. With your body language but it's also about reading the room and and reading the body language of your audience are they understanding me am i talking too quickly am i talking too slowly am i covering information that they are already aware of you don't have to ask them if you watch them they are telling you if they're going for their phones <laughs> you're not reaching them in some way You know, Andrew asked an interesting question here, which is, is there an age dynamic about having the confidence to pause? And I'll take a stab at it, and then Blanca, I want to hear your perspective. I don't believe that it is as much age-related as it is confidence-related. Because I work with people who are well into their careers who just can't pause and breathe, they're racing, and then I also work with some of my students who are very good at pacing themselves, so I tend to believe it's less age it can be age related because People who are more experienced tend to have a confidence factor, but I don't think it's necessarily age-related. What do you think, Blanca?
2: I very much agree, and I think that it is exactly about confidence, but also as we see that uh, more senior people in terms of age tend to be eventually more confident because they had the time to develop their own tools and personal confidence because they could work more on their self-leadership and on the way how they are coming across. It can look like that it is related to age. So I feel that in a way, both answers would be correct. But if you ask me what is really at the root, confidence, you really nailed it.
1: And experience, because confidence comes with experience. I have worked with people who are very experienced in the work that they do, but they aren't experienced in the boardroom. So they come across as very insecure. They're racing through their material. Yeah.
2: Because absolutely, there is this time where usually people join organizations and they are climbing up the ladder on the account of the expertise, technical expertise. And that at some point, actually, there comes this added, like an add-on, a managerial expertise or communication expertise. And it's the moment where all what we have learned so far and also many of the skills and competencies that and ways how we are working are no longer functioning so well because it's not only about my personal expertise and about the technical it's not about what is the best from the technical point of view but it may be about what is now acceptable for the others. What can they accept? What can they live with? There it is much more about being able to look into collaboration. How can we collaboratively get something done? and it is here where communication really is the key and that's why i also believe that communication is really at the heart and at the core of any leadership and if i from what i have seen you know there are thousands of leadership theories but each and every of them will put communication at the heart as a very important aspect of leadership yes. so absolutely it is about confidence And also about the skill and confidence to learn and to excel in another, in a new field, as you are no longer only being valued for your technical expertise, but also for your ability to collaborate with others and to really be a leader that others want to
1: follow. Yes. Yes. If you could give people a couple of tips that would help them with, in particular, their nonverbal communications, what might they be? Oh, that's a great question. And then I want to hear from you. Yeah. What would be yours?
2: I would start with breathing. Really being aware about the way how they breathe and being able to command their breathing. Breathing. Why is this so important is because breathing is the connection, the bridge between our voluntary and involuntary neural system. So if we feel stress, we are actually, it's our involuntary neural system that doesn't feel at ease. And there are not that many ways how to influence it and how to calm it down. And breathing is probably the most effective. So absolutely, I would start with breathing. I would start. I would also then say it's important that you are prepared because I don't want to be in a position, in a situation of cognitive overload. I want to have practice so that I know that I don't have to pay that much attention to the content that I'm delivering because then it means that my attention is free to check how I am for my self-awareness, but also so that I can be aware about the room and read the audience as the way I would like to. So these are two things, being aware in general, in terms of uh, being aware about the body, what are my my triggers, let's say, as well, you know, something that can actually trip me of what I do not like. And so that is important. And eventually, perhaps the first one would be do a bit of talking exercise. Like really, uh, people tend to believe that talking is easy because we are talking every day for most of our lives, but still it pays off to pay more conscious attention to the way how we are talking. And now, of course, you know, for me, the fact that English is not my mother tongue, it makes, me, makes it even more difficult. But at the same time, the good thing is that maybe it slows me down a bit. And so it gives me more consciousness, more awareness about what I am doing. So what is it that you are telling the people that, that you work with?
1: Well, Well, I love what you said. So to add on to that, I would begin with eye contact. It's so important, and it is for people who are not comfortable. It can be so scary. But looking at someone and making eye contact with them, and when you're speaking one-on-one, really focusing on that person, when you're in a larger room, making eye contact across the room that it does a couple of things. It connects you with the person, and the more you practice it, the easier it is. The other thing is it gives you, you get feedback. You get immediate feedback when you're looking at someone. They're telling you, without saying a word, how they're feeling about what you're saying. So, so I think eye contact is critically important. I think it's also important for, for all people, but I see this in a lot of the women that I work with, using the space. Sometimes we tend to, especially if we're not comfortable or confident, to be a little small. So if you're presenting, you stand behind a podium and you're dwarfed by the, the podium. You look really, really small. Or when you're sitting at the table, you draw yourself in. Play bigger. Use the space. I I love the, the Apple TV show Ted Lasso and the one of the lead characters there who is a very she's not a small woman she's extraordinarily tall but she talks about what she does before she goes into a meeting a meeting generally with a a group of men she goes into the restroom and she throws her hands up in the air and she feels big and it makes her feel power. I love that because if you stretch your arms out wide, you feel really strong. So doing that before you go into a high-stakes situation and then continuing to use your space, not drawing in. Great. These are great tips.
2: Yeah, I, I have to say that I am sometimes a bit uneasy about eye contact because I often work with people from different cultures. And in some cultures, eye contact, especially if it comes from women, is not considered uh, appropriate and can be uh, interpreted in ways that actually were not meant. So I know that it is relevant for European culture, for North American culture. I'm not so sure about uh, quite a few other cultures. And there, usually when I'm working with people, I have to say that I don't know that they need to figure out what is appropriate in that particular culture. And interestingly enough, it doesn't go only by region or by continent, but it also goes sometimes by sector. I'm often working with women from the military and police forces. And in strictly very hierarchical organizations, eye contact is also something that may not be always appreciated or maybe considered uh, in a negative way as almost as insubordination, in combination with the culture. So there, there I just am um, still mapping the terrain and very careful uh, with uh, recommendations. But I absolutely can confirm and really find that taking the space and being aware about the space is super important. And there, it is clearly, in my view, gendered. Mm -hmm. I see it in the way how women tend to sit in meetings. You know, because of our dress code, we have to usually have crossed our legs or it is definitely not considered a good manner to sit with our legs wide apart, whether we are wearing skirts or whether we are wearing trousers. But when you look at some of men, they just come in, you know, they take the space. The space is theirs. It belongs to them. They don't even have a thought. They never ever had to have a thought. It may come with hate, weight, and it comes with the way how they are carrying their body. And working on, uh, on and learning how we as a women can claim the space in ways that are accepted is very important because we need and I want to claim the space because I'm here rightfully too.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned cultural difference because they are there. And and I think it's very important when we're working with, with clients and others to say, here's what I would do. Now, tell me about how that works in your culture, in your industry, because you're right, there are, certain industries that are still very hierarchical. And, and so understanding those nuances is so important. I had another question that I'd love your thoughts on as well. You were so, we've talked a lot about being in the room. So Mm -hmm. when you were in the boardroom, when you're presenting in front of a large group. We do so much virtually now. I'd love your perspective on some best practices when you are with someone, but not with someone. You're virtual. Thank
2: you for the question. It's, It's something that is really resonating very much with me because it's also every now and then coming across we keep hearing that people prefer to be physically together and I can understand that very much. And at the same time, for me personally, I love working online. I really see it as an enablement. I really see it as um, as an incredible gift to be able to see people and to work with them now online. And... Yes, I do notice that there are differences, but I find that because of our habitual ways of being together, we read sometimes too much into the differences and we have the tendency to say that online is not the same quality as on-site. I have to say that some of great connections with people I have never ever met physically across continents, across cultures, They happened online and they really developed into very deep relationships. And so for me, the online space is really cherished. And I also deeply believe that it is possible to sort of have executive presence online. And when I am focused on protecting my energy and claiming my space online, you will feel it. I very much believe that even the audience now feels the energy in my voice because it's all about energy. And I know that when I focus online on something or somebody, I am really very present there. So for me, I'm overall very positive about it. And I wish that more people could really experience the quality and experience the online space as an incredible gift as opposed to saying, oh, it's not like it in the old days. And at the same time, when I'm with clients, you know, I know if it is their preference, I'll, I'll walk with you. I'll come to your place and I'm happy to do it. And it is great for me too. But so it's not either or for me. I'll go with whatever comes and I am always committed to do the best. So if the online is the chosen mode, let it be.
1: I'll do the best. I agree with you one hundred percent I love online I think it requires you to be really present really present and as my um, students would say a little bit extra you have to you have to really bring it to keep your audience engaged. But I think it is so powerful and effective, and I'm guessing that you've had this same experience. I have had sessions with people where when I disconnect from Zoom, I had forgotten we weren't sitting together. We were so present, so connected. Yeah. And
2: what I would say is that definitely the online um, online learning events or design of events for online space it is much more work because it needs to be much more prepared and it needs to be much more scripted at least uh, this is my experience when i'm on site i can troubleshoot more easily and i am getting more information from the audience so on that side i do find actually on site bit a bit easy on that particular moment uh, aspect but at the same time of course you know the on site is creating a lot of uh, demand for resources of other kind. So, as I said, either can work, but online really needs presence. And for me, it is important, and I do very much enjoy when people are on camera, because when they are off camera and I'm supposed to work with them, then I am indeed missing very important pieces of information. It changes the way how things are. And at the same time, I can understand it for somebody it is easier to be, so to say, on the phone only, not on the camera. And if this is their their preference, again, I'll do the best. That's that's my my motto. But I do enjoy when in trainings, programs, courses, when I'm facilitating, when most people are really present as well with the camera. I feel that it's it makes a difference.
1: It's a- absolutely, and and you know even we we always talk about everything that you do is communicating. And there may be a really good reason that you're off camera. There's chaos in the house or whatever it may be. But to the people who are also in the room with you, that may not be what, it, you may not be communicating what you think you're communicating. There was a, I think it was Fortune, a fortune article where they had surveyed leaders and they said, if you are consistently off camera in meetings, you don't have a good career trajectory.
2: Because you are missing out on an opportunity to show your presence, to show who exactly. you are,
1: to show up. Exactly. And, Absolutely. and it, it communicates yeah. whether you mean it, to or not it communicates i'm not fully here i'm not fully engaged and the same with body language and this is
2: really you know the way how people sit the way how people show up it really matters but if i may what i wanted to also mention because i find that it's a very important aspect of leadership embodiment or the way how we are showing up uh, the beliefs that we carry with us that do not allow us to really show authentically or really show because show, because showing up is sometimes connected with uh, fear and fear of being put down and so. And there what I'm finding is that, again, when we are working on the deep, deep beliefs that are holding us back, it's not only that we need to understand and it's not only that we need to have the cognitive knowledge that we are supposed to do something differently, but we often need to be able to work on these through our body and emotions because it is there where they are habitually conserved and living. And here I would love to hear your experience, Susie, when you are working with people and let's say giving them feedback on their body language what do you sometimes see, and how do you how, how are you communicating
1: your message so that they can really such understand? a good question it It is it depends upon the person. Uh, i I think doing the work that I do, I like to meet people where they are and And sometimes, I do a lot with video. And, and while it is, I think sometimes people think I'd rather die than see myself on video. Often they're surprised at how great they are, but it gives you the opportunity to say, what's going on here? Did you notice what you did there? I I was working with someone once And we were doing media training. And every time, and I was giving him some tough questions. And every time I gave him a question that he didn't like, he rubbed his leg. And so when we finished the interview, I said, I think you have a tell that you're not comfortable. And he disagreed with me well, the video doesn't lie. But so we looked at the video and he realized, and I suspect he's been doing that his whole career, not just with with media interviews, but probably when he's frustrated with members of his team or his his, his boss. You don't know until you see it in the mirror or see it in the video. So that can be helpful. But to your point, sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper and it can get really interesting when it's not just this is a habit I have, but this is, this is about how I feel about myself or my knowledge level or my comfort, whatever it is. And and that can be really challenging but really powerful when you pull all those layers back.
2: Yes, it is really the way how we are showing in the world is about what we believe about ourselves and what is our place do I feel that I have a rightful place here or do I feel that I'm just tolerated, barely um, tolerated? Good.
1: Well, if you had one piece of advice that you were going to give listeners, what might it be? It actually would be probably along the lines that you said, record yourself on video
2: and stay with that. And when you are watching it, do it with loving kindness this probably my real piece of advice would be loving kindness i believe that everything starts with awareness but often i also see that awareness produces a lot of judgment you know this inner critic that is there and and that is telling us how impossible we are and what we haven't done properly again and again and you know let's move on I and mean, we probably most of us, if not all of us, have been there and we know this that voice. But it's not a helpful voice. So I would say let go of that and just know that you are doing so many things great. And that learning how to communicate using all of your body to communicate authentically, it's just another, another Pa- and another step in your path through life and you'll do it
1: and of course being aware helps but be aware with loving kindness that's wonderful i love that and i agree completely i think that it it start to me it starts with this is not about changing who you are it is about taking who you are and just fine tuning it a little bit around the edges so that you can lean into your greatness. So that you can be authentic, really the true, you know,
2: the true who you are, not the one how the society molded you to, to be, but really who are you at the essence? Can you find the, the subtle way how you can show who you are? I, I love this fine tuning because this is really very good way to, to, to say that. It's not about letting go of who you are. It is about creating the space and having the energy and uh, shining. I've enjoyed our conversation so much. So did I. Thank you. Thank you. I'll for sure keep in touch. I've learned so much from you. Thank you very much.
0: Someone mentioned to me recently that the podcasts were being used by them to curate support for people in the workplace as part of their learning offer this episode will be up there as a great resource to be used in that way. A massive thank you to both Susie and Blanca for their time and input. This was an amazing episode. All their details are in the show notes, along with links to the topics they identified. We've recorded a couple of special episodes to be released around World Menopause Day in October, and we want to do the same for the International Day of Persons with Disabilities in December. We'd be delighted if you'd want to be involved. Doesn't matter if you've not been on the podcast before, Women Talking About Learning is a space to amplify your voice and we make it as easy as possible for you to record with us. Please do get in touch if you're interested. All the details are in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon.